I feel like anybody can be successful no matter what your circumstances are, as long as your mindset is there. What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of KCL's Keto Corner Podcast. It's been a hot minute since I've put out a podcast episode. I apologize for that. With all the traveling um, and crazy things that life has been throwing our way, it has been very hard to sit down and just record some episodes. Um, Had people cancel, had things come up, and it's just... It's been a whirlwind. So, making a conscious effort in the next couple weeks to get some episodes recorded for you guys. Um, that way that I can just kind of have them edited and publish them and, and they're there for you. So, I know you enjoy listening to the podcast and who I have on. Um, so, I'm going to do my best to try and get as much of them out as possible. That being said, today I had the pleasure of speaking with um, Keto Girl Chris on Instagram. Um, her name is Crystal. She and I actually met uh, at a book signing for Jimmy Moore and Natasha Newton a couple months ago. Um, met her and her family. She was super sweet. Um, just a really kind individual. She homeschools. Um, she's been doing keto for a year now, maybe longer. I think she mentions it in the episode. Um, she just finished up a 90-day cut using the Deeper State, uh, Deeper State Keto Protocol, I believe. Um, and yeah, we just kind of dive into that, dive into mindset, talk a little bit about um, struggles and things like that. She shares her story. So um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Also, um, in this episode, we have a sponsor. This is our first sponsor. Um, Real Good Foods has given us a discount code for their amazing products. Um, they recently just sent me their breakfast sandwiches and some of their new um, chicken poppers. They are amazing, guys. Like, their breakfast sandwiches are so filling. Um, there's about 30 grams of fat, 18 grams of protein, and 6 total carbs in the sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Uh, sandwich, whatever you want to call it. Um, and guys, the breading is cheesy cauliflower bread. Like, oh my word. <laughs> it is so good. Um, they are an amazing company. They've been super kind and generous. Thankfully, you can find their products in the store. Um, I know our local food lion, I believe our Lowe's Foods and Harris Teeter have their products, but our food line in town has all of them. The enchiladas, the sandwiches, the poppers, um, the pizzas. Oh my gosh, and the pizzas, guys. They're to die for. I don't like cauliflower, but I love their cauliflower crust pizza. It is so good, and it's keto-friendly for kids as well. Connor is obsessed with them. So, um, if you guys want to order online, um, if you can't find them in the store, if you want to order online, you can click the link in the show notes to order. You can also get 15% off with the code KCL15. So, um, in the store, they're fairly good priced. And then online, you can you save some money if you just don't, you know, you want to miss out on all the craziness in the stores. So, um, yeah, that being said, let's dive into the podcast. Hello, Crystal. How are you? Hi, Lauren. I'm good. Thank you. So, um, for those listening, Crystal is actually local to me. I had the pleasure of meeting her at um, Jimmy Moore's book signing in Charlotte. And Charlotte is about two and a half, three hours from where I live. Um, and I just felt like you were so kind and so sweet. And we did have a lot in common. And I was really excited once I heard you on um, Keto Neo's podcast to get you on mine. So um, if you don't mind kind of sharing a little bit about you, like what your, um, your family, like what you do, all of those things, and then we'll kind of jump to the keto side of it in a minute. Okay, sure. Um, I am uh, 38 years old, (laughs) 
And I am a stay-at-home homeschooling mom. I've bless, been bless your heart, by the way. <laughs> it's <laughs> a, not for the faint of heart, that's for yeah, sure. And no, it's a full-time I, job. <laughs> it is. Uh, I mean, stay-at-home mom, I was, I'm still a stay-at-home mom, work from home, but like stay-at-home mom in itself is full-time. So, and then homeschooling on top of that, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I question my sanity often. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, I've been homeschooling pretty much from the beginning. I have a daughter who is 12 going on 13 and my son, um, who is nine. Okay. Um, so I've been keto for a year and before that I spent years on a low carb diet. I also was paleo for a while. I followed the, um, Weston Price Foundation way of eating as well. So I feel like I've got quite a bit of experience and a background in exploring um, health through nutrition. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. I don't know what what led like you? Now. What led you to keto per se? Like, was there a reason why you went from paleo to keto? I mean, they're very similar lifestyles, obviously, but um, we know the difference between keto and paleo. So what led you to keto? So um, my paleo journey coincided, of course, with the Weston Price Foundation way of preparing foods. Um, I felt like they kind of went hand in hand, but it was a lot of work and um, I just kind of fell off uh, the wagon I had done some food allergy testing, and I was trying to avoid dairy, eggs, gluten, mm-hmm. soy, and it, it was a lot of work preparing everything from scratch, dealing with um, limited food options, as well as having you know children and a husband who did not follow that way of eating. So I kind of just gave up on it, and uh, the weight started coming back on. Um, and then some, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I just felt awful. And it's one of those things where, you know, in your head what you should do, but putting it into practice and living the lifestyle at the time just seemed overwhelming and difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people go through that. Um, and I think that we all have to hit that rock bottom or that like, there's got to be a wake-up call for all of us, and it, it, it varies for everyone, for whatever it is, but um, do you remember a point in your journey when you were just like, I'm done, like, feeling like this, I've got to do something? Yeah, um, so a couple years ago, is 4th of July time, we had a bunch of family over, and everybody wanted to do this huge group family photo, and I saw my picture and about died. Okay. Um, and it wasn't just the weight. It was actually just the all around look of poor health for me. Mm-hmm. Like it was the puffy face and the really bloated belly. Um, you know, that it just, I looked unwell and I right. didn't feel good either. And you could see that and the expression in my face. And, um, that was, like, wow, I can't believe I've let myself get to this point. I, you know, I know better and I need to start doing better. And you know, so, you know, it's funny you say like, I know better, like you had a, um, the knowledge, a history of knowing what you should do and shouldn't do. And what's crazy is as a coach, several of my clients are actually like personal trainers who, they, they know what to do nutrition-wise. They know what they should be doing. Um, and they've got the exercise part down, but, like, they just can't – that they've let themselves go or they just let it slip. And it's funny how – it's kind of, kind of like a mechanic. Like, you let your car go, <laughs> you know, you fix everyone else's, but you let your car go. So I think a lot of us experience that from time it to time. It is so true. My dad was a landscaper. Mm-hmm. Growing up, he had his own business. And our yard was the worst on the street. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Yeah, you just spend so much time and energy, like, in other people's problems or, you know, Mm -hmm. their solutions. But you get put on the back burner because you're giving so much of yourself. And, um, you know, 
while I wasn't doing that for a living, I did just invest so much of what little free time I had in it. And it just got exhausting. And, and I think part of it was like, I took for granted, like, the results I got at the time. And it was always in the back of my head, oh, well, when I start this again, it'll all just fall into place just as easily. And that was not the case because things change. Your body changes. You get older, you know, other health issues might come up and get in the way. And so, yeah, it was not easy this second time over. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the, the, the first time that I started to really lose weight when I was trying to, um, you know, it, it was like, it's that initial, like, oh my gosh, I lost 10 pounds. I lost this. I lost that. And it's great. And you've got that running motivation and then you fall off and it's harder and harder every time that you fall off, I feel like. So, um, you know, when I found keto, it wasn't necessarily as bad of a crash for me. I don't know if, if you've had any experiences with falling off of keto per se, but none, none. Nice. That's awesome. But be, I feel like it's because I lived that mm-hmm. and and it was so bad for me. Yeah. Um so, you know, I I felt like after living miserably for two or three years, yeah, and seeing the deterioration, like that that was really my huge wake yeah. up call. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I think it took me a little bit longer because I still suffer from like binge eating and, you know, all of that. Um, still seeing things as cheats and stuff, which, you know, I absolutely can't stand referring to meals as cheat meals. But um, now when you set out to do keto, did you have like a significant amount of weight to lose or like I know everyone I know you're very petite I think you're like right around the side like height I am I'm five foot two um you're taller than me oh really (laughs) how tall are you five feet and a half inch (laughs) oh you gotta give that half inch that half inch matters that's crazy I round up Um, on my driver's license (laughs) yeah yeah. there's no no problem with that um (laughs) so for you the weight that you were when you decided you were ready to like, I need to lose weight. What was that for you being five foot? Well, um, so when I was on the straight and narrow, I had uh, lost all my post baby weight. I was down to about one Oh three. And you know, I have a very petite frame, so that was good for me. I was size zero two and, uh, you know, I was happy with that. Um, when I went off, I, got up to 138 pounds okay and that's I mean for someone who's five foot that's that's taxing on the body I mean 232 pounds for me at five two was like really bad so I can imagine how you felt as well um so let's see are you active in the gym or are you just mainly have you mainly lost your weight with nutrition Um, I have been more physically active, but I'm not like a devoted person in the gym. I probably average one to two days a week. Oh, good though. So, um, I I do what I can. I do have stuff at home, but it's, it's harder to stay disciplined at home. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) When people tell me they're like, what home workouts do you recommend? I'm like, I recommend none personally, because if I were like to depend on getting myself motivated to work out at home, it wouldn't happen. So that's why I have to leave my home (laughs) and go to the gym and work out. Plus I don't have everything here that I need, but I, you know, the people who do beach body, like all of those programs, I commend them because I'm like staring at my couch. Like, "Mm, I think I'd rather sit on that than to follow this workout video. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Yeah. So for you, um, did you initially start out like tracking when you started keto or were you just kind of like eating keto foods? Like how, how did that work for you? Um, well, it's kind of funny because when I first started for about four weeks, I was tracking and my calories were low, too low. Now I learned, you know, I was in Mm -hmm. like the 1200 range. But I thought that I had to be that low in order to lose weight. Um, But as you know, life likes to throw us curveballs. And uh, we decided to go ahead and sell our house 
and build a new house. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um, the tracking went out the window. Yeah. Uh, but I still was committed to try to stay, you know, low carb. And so I did what everybody likes to term lazy or dirty keto. Um, yeah. But for me, it was, I don't want to call it that. It was just keto that was maintainable. Convenient. For me. I mean, yeah. convenience is key. And in my opinion, if you are, and I have clients that do this too, if you are eating keto and you're having to get Wendy's, but you're getting the bunless burger, or if you're grabbing pork rinds from a gas station, like you're doing better than the people who are shoving their face full of carbs on a daily basis. So exactly. You know, it is kind of hard when you, you know, you go on Instagram and you see all the people talking about lazy keto and um, dirty keto and all this stuff when really it's just we're all doing the best that we can. Yeah. And and it's a journey, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you're able to track and you've got the energy and focus to do that. But then other times you're just treading water and trying to get through life. So, you know, and that's why like, I feel like anybody can be successful no matter what your circumstances are, as long as your mindset is there. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was. And even though, yeah, I was, let me tell you, Wendy's drive through was like my best friend. And especially with kids, <laughs> too, I'm sure. It's like, oh, yeah. hey, I'm not going to cook, so I've got kids, and I've got, this is the option, and, you know, yeah, I get it. Yeah. But I still had it in my mind that I was going to commit to doing the best that I can in the situation I was in. And it does pay off. You know, every little decision that you make like that is just one more step, one more um, move in the right direction to setting yourself up for success. I totally agree. I feel like most people have to go through that quote unquote, lazy keto. Um, You know, a lot of my clients have to go through it. They're like, look, I just want it to be easy and sustainable and convenient right now. And then the longer you do it, the better you you get at it. And the more you care about what you're putting in your body quality wise, like the more you care about your keto numbers, your glucose, all of those things. um, I always say, you know, better you do better. So I think that a process that everyone has to go through. I mean, if you're not going through that, then you're not growing. So, um, and that's what life is about. I I truly believe that. So, um, now since you have children and you have a husband, I know you mentioned they didn't follow the previous ways of eating. Are they following keto also, or are you just a keto loner? I'm not really the loner. Um, it's actually been a recent development, but my husband, has started to make low carb decisions and, nice. and doing like swaps for things. He he's always been very supportive, but um, now that he's seen how committed I've been and the reasons why, which it's not just about losing weight, it's about health. Um, he's starting to make wiser choices in what he eats. You know, swapping out bread for a, a bunless burger or a lettuce wrap, or um, you know, instead of fries or some other carby side, he'll get a side salad. So uh, he's cut out sugar. (laughs) Good, good. And and like many men, um, you know, those simple little swaps, they drop the weight. But mm-hmm. oh yeah, another topic for another day. <laughs> oh gosh, we could harp on that all day long. My husband will lose like five pounds if he just like l- stops looking at soda or something. You know, I'm yep. like seriously, I can't stand you. Yeah, I know. I feel yeah. you. I feel your pain. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I thought it was pretty cool that the whole family was there in Charlotte. Um, they came to see Jimmy Moore. So that's why I wanted to ask to see if, um, I mean, it seemed like they supported you. And so I wasn't sure if the whole family was, but that's awesome. My daughter um, is actually moving in the keto direction as well. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really mention that, but she, she is 12, as I said before, but she's actually starting to make her own decisions. And so when she orders for herself, she chooses to go low carb. That's awesome. And, um, you know, uh, also regulating her sugar intake and not like she turns down, you know, in social situations or something that she really wants and I'm okay with, but you know, if there's a healthier option to go with she makes those decisions frequently on her own which I'm all for 
Right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And she sees you doing it. She sees her dad doing it. It's leading by example. And I feel like that's all we can do as parents is, you know, when when I was growing up, none of this research was around. It was all the low car or the low fat, the, you know, whatever diets. And I mean, Adkins was around probably a little bit, you know, further along, but my mom and dad were doing the best that they could and, and they were trying to lead by example. But I mean, all this stuff, I feel like <laughs> it's the world's fault in a way. Like the, you know, all the junk that's put out there, they were, they didn't know better. So, you know, they, they did the best they could. But the fact that she sees you and your husband making the right decisions, it's the same thing that happens with Connor and he's just three. So, you know, he says, like, oh, mommy, that's not healthy if he sees, like, you know, bread or something like that. And, I mean, it makes you feel good in a way. But then you get the stares from the other parents, and they're just mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, then you got to talk to your kids. Okay, well, don't be telling other kids, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, judging them. Right. If they ask, use it as an opportunity to teach and share. Exactly. And that's part- kind of what I do. <laughs> That's a that's that homeschool mom coming out in you. I like that approach. <laughs> See me, I just be like, um, just tell them that's how you eat, like, <laughs> you know. But yeah, no, that's that's a good a good way. You you you're teaching them to teach others and to share, and it is so easy for us to judge others and how they eat. I mean, I feel like the keto community is like pitted against people who are vegan or like vegetarian or like the whole carnivore vegetarian thing. So I think if we all could just accept the fact that we're all doing the best for ourselves, um, it wouldn't be such an issue, but we all know how that goes. So now what I did want to ask you about, and I've been loving watching um, the Deeper State Keto program by Robert Sykes, Keto Savage. I know that you're participating in that. And how did that go for you? You just finished up, right? I did. Yesterday was day 90. That is crazy. Yes. I actually bought the program when it came out uh, just a a little over a year ago mm-hmm. but as I said that was the time when we're le- when we decided to move and so I had to put that off for another time and mm-hmm. so you know in January I said okay I'm ready it's time to give it a go mm-hmm. um, and it's actually been one of the most challenging things I ever did mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to food uh, tracking everything meticulously mm-hmm. for such a long consistent time and 90 days um, is a long time I mean it is that's people people are like when they set out to do something and they see a time frame they're like oh 60 days oh 90 days and you're like holy crap that that's a really long time <laughs> yeah that excitement and uh momentum in the beginning it stalls out at that mm-hmm. time and I, I know you know um because I totally empathize with that cut you were doing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine going another month or two into nope. it because I was, I was yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This is this is pretty much my limit um, because I, I and this is probably another topic to get into. But when you're leaning down and doing a cut program, um, it becomes a really big mental and mm-hmm. emotional battle. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that's, you know, not only was it a mental or emotional battle for me, but like my body refused to change. And it was just, you know, I was like, you know what, if if it's if all of the effort I'm putting into it, it's not working, I'm not putting myself through this. So I totally understand. Um, but the the deeper state keto program, it starts out higher fat, right? Which I mean, yes. I'm, I'm naturally, I feel better at higher fat. And then you kind of find your protein threshold and, um, and then you just kind of slowly taper your macros down over the course of the 90 days. I'm pretty sure that's what I remember about yes. the program. Um, so for you, when was the hardest? Like, I know the end is hard, but because you're so low calorie and all that, but like, did you have any instances with holidays or anything that, that made it really difficult? Um, 
Not too bad. I I actually timed it to where you didn't have a lot of holidays, you know, starting mm-hmm. towards the end of January. There's not a whole lot going on. Um, the the tricky part was trying to find my protein threshold, you know, figuring mm-hmm. out my ideal ratio of protein and fat. Um, and for me, it was actually uh, about 80% fat. I feel I yeah. felt best on. You know, what's crazy is I feel like most women are that way. Like, and, and, and it's crazy when people look at me and they're like, you can still drop body fat at 80% fat intake. And I'm like, heck, yes, you can. And you're going to feel like a superwoman because... Like, the mental clarity that you have and the energy, like, aside from cutting your calories so low, like, that, that was, that's where I feel optimal. So, I, I totally feel you. What was exciting for me, though, um, was the fact that I was starting at higher calories and mm-hmm. actually losing weight. Mm-hmm. You know, I was losing weight at 1,600, 1,700 calories. And to me, like, that was mind boggling. Right. And um, so that I really find impressive. And it just goes to show, you know, how friendly keto can be mm-hmm. when it comes to satiation. Um, it, it's it was much more satisfying than the traditional low fat diet at 1200 calories. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And it's crazy how we automatically assume that 1200 calories is the diet standard you know like Mm -hmm. what I love is when I have clients come to me and I send them their initial macros and they're like I get to eat this much and I'm gonna lose weight I don't know if I believe you and I'm like just give me like three or four weeks and I promise you'll be like a shocked and they always are because you know, you don't have to cut down those calories so low. Everyone automatically assumes that, but um, that's awesome that you experienced that. So, how low did your calories get with DSK? The lowest my calories got were about 1330. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, is still higher than what you would normally just automatically start out at. So it that's is. awesome. But I did feel it um, when it came to my gym days. Mm-hmm. And that's where yeah. I really was I can starting imagine. to struggle. I had to kind of cut back in the gym a little bit, not go as hard because I just Mm -hmm. didn't feel like I had the energy to sustain that because, you know, the next day after a gym day, I was hungry and that was hard. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. So DSK has a, um, like once you're done, you pretty much do what we call a reverse diet. And for anyone listening that doesn't know, reverse dieting is basically just tapering your calories up and your macros up slowly um, to a maintenance intake. That way that you can maintain the weight that you've achieved. So are you, you're currently, I'm assuming this is day one of reverse macros or are you going to kind of have a, like a fun weekend where you're not tracking? Um, well, I did get my new new macros today um but tomorrow I am going to take a keto cheat day Mm -hmm. I'm staying keto but I'm not going to track and Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat meat yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's what I miss so I guess towards the end was your fat ratio still around 80 percent yes yeah so you really you didn't really have any meat or protein intake towards the end huh my protein was at 52 grams. Woo! Yeah. I understand yeah. that. That's that's hardly anything. But yeah. um, it'll be so nice to be able to eat without tracking and not having to worry about it. And the beautiful part of it is that your body, it won't – it's funny who people think, like, if you have a day like that, like, you'll automatically gain a ton of fat or whatever. But your body's going to, like, absorb it and use it because it's been so deprived for so long. So that's – I'm excited for you. I know you're excited to eat, aren't you? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, um, have you already planned your meal? Indian. Indian. Okay. Are you making it? Or are you... And barbecue. Oh, okay. <laughs> nope. Nope, um, we're going out. There's 
I've of course found several restaurants that, that I've been wanting to try and just putting it on my list. Yeah, <laughs> so awesome. yeah, I'll be indulging tomorrow and I can't wait. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so as far as like what you'll do after reversing, how long were you reversed for? About a month. Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure how long and you should probably hit your maintenance by then I would assume. But, um, did you have any other goals that you wanted to achieve? Like once you hit maintenance? Um, you know, well, when I started DSK, I had a goal of losing about 15 pounds, not sure if I'd hit it or not. And I really didn't know like where I would be because I have been working out and putting on muscle, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I didn't really have before when I had lost all my weight. So, um, I was also going to, of course, rely on the way my clothes fit and I'm about, I'm a few pounds, I think, away from where I want to be. I was considering later this summer or early fall doing a carnivore cut program. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing some research on that. Um, but I'm going to enjoy my summer and just try to eat intuitively and see how that goes. Because ultimately, I think we all want to get to a, a point where we don't have to count or we yeah. or track or, you know, we can just eat and maintain. So I want to see if I'm going to be able to successfully do that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great goal to have. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's, there's people, I say like me, but I personally feel like everyone should have a goal in mind, whether it be, you know, not necessarily losing weight, but like, you know, having a, a gym goal or something, or even a goal to just like, trust yourself to eat intuitively. Um, because I feel like if we don't set goals, we're not growing, but, um, you know, it's important for people to understand that at some point weight loss will not be the goal. And I feel like that is constantly the focus for everyone. Um, I mean, I got down to 129 pounds, which was the lowest I had ever really been in my adult life. And I wasn't happy. Like I didn't like the way that I looked. I wanted some, I wanted more muscle. I wanted more tone. I felt very frail and thin and weak. And so that's when goals change. And so I think when we hit goals, um, we think that we're going to be happy there and that's where we're going to stay. But I think that most people realize that your goals have to continuously change because that's how you grow. So, right. Um, I did want to ask you about the mentality part of it. So you mentioned that and that's a good like topic to get into. So what did you struggle with the most and at what point during it did you struggle? Um, it, the days that I was hungry where mm-hmm. I felt hungry. Um, I think that's where discipline and keeping that goal in my mind in the forefront is what got me through. It's hard when you feel hungry or you mentally think you're hungry and you just have that urge to eat, um, the, especially at night, because while I wasn't a binge eater, mm-hmm. I did have a major sweet tooth, especially at night. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I really, and I still struggle with that, but especially on on DSK, when you're only allowed 10 total carbs a day, you have no room to do that. Mm-mm. None. No, because any keto treat is going to be like at least 10 carbs for a serving. <laughs> yeah, there's no net carb counting either. No. So those are yeah. 10 total carbs. And so you really have to be wise in how you allot those carbs. And so, you know, I made the choice the majority, majority of days to put my vegetables there. And, um, but some days it was hard because, you know, if it's been a rough day or especially when you're tired or just, you know, stressed out, um, it's very tempting to turn towards food for comfort. So, and that, mm-hmm. and that's, still it really is. And, yep. Um, and what's crazy is, uh, the, like by the, and I saw this today, um, Adam with Million Pound Mission, I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but he just posted 
he posted a live video um, about how like we have um, decision fatigue by the weekend. And so, I mean, not only being a stay at home mom, homeschooling mom, like whether you're working or in the home or whatever, but like by today, by Friday, you know, or by Thursday, even you're literally like, I'm done making a decision. I just want to grab something in the fridge and go. And so people don't understand that, like the consistency that you had to have that anyone has to have to, to hit their goals, to reach them. You know, you can't have that decision fatigue um, and let those urges to just eat overcome you um that's the hardest part I think for everyone is it's not that you're physically hungry but that you are like mentally you just want to snack and you want to eat so um my husband is a, a night snacker so I understand what you're you're saying and that's <laughs> when the kids go to bed and your day's over and you're just like I just want to yeah. sit on the couch and veg out but when you can't and you know you can't I think when we tell ourselves that we can't do something, it makes us want to do it even more. So absolutely. absolutely. Um, yeah. So did you experience any like negative feelings towards food while you were doing it? Like, did you feel like a certain food group was like not right for you? Like did, when you were on 10 total carbs, did you struggle with like wanting to eat vegetables and not being able to, or just not wanting to eat them at all? I know you mentioned carnivore. So I went back and forth. Um, to be honest, the last month here, um, there were quite a few days where I didn't have any vegetables. Um, because it was just easier for me. Um, and that's why mm -hmm. I have been tempted to go carnivore because I feel like it simplifies things and you avoid that decision fatigue. Um, mm -hmm. It just simplifies life. And so while I don't think I could be carnivore like strict mm. for a, an extended period of time, I am totally open to doing, you know, a week or two of carnivore. Yeah. yeah. Or like do like a cyclical type of approach. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, I did notice like when I tried to eat certain vegetables, um, I was sensitive to like the bloating aspect. Mm -hmm. And so I learned to just stick to a very small group of very low carb vegetables that seemed to do okay for me. Yeah. And I feel like when you are doing something that extreme, like that drastic, you really do learn what kind of foods affect you. Like, you know, you're not eating much, number one. And number two, like the amount of or what kind of foods you're eating, you can really tell what bothers you and what does. Yeah. 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 Um, I found the most successful foods as far as how I felt. Um, you know, digestively and how I felt with satiation and, um, you know, minimal inflammation, meat, beef is where it's at. And so, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I a yeah, lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right. So my next question for you is about total carbs versus net carbs. And I know you mentioned with DSK, like you tracking 10 total carbs. And when people hear that, they're probably like, oh my God, how do you track 10 total carbs a day? Like, you know, so like for you, you hadn't tracked that low of carbs prior to DSK, right? No. Uh, what I did before was like 20 net carbs. Yeah. So how do you feel about the whole total carbs versus net carbs argument now? I have to say I'm a, a, a convert to counting total carbs. Yeah. Um, I feel people do a disservice to themselves and, and in a way cheat their progress if they try to get away with counting net carbs. Yeah. Because, I feel, you know, fiber still impacts the body. Yes. And so do sugar alcohols. Yeah. Um, I 100% feel the same way. Like it's, that's one of the topics that I feel like I talk about all the time, but I can't like stress it enough to people, you know, that 
just because your, you know, your packaging says three net carbs doesn't mean like Quest cookies and Quest bars and all of those things that have so much sugar alcohols and so much fiber. I'm just like, that's, it's still processed food when you, when you look at the ingredients and you look at that carb count. But when you're eating like a salad, like a big salad with, you know, six grams of carbs, that's, you know, so much more volume and so much more beneficial and it's real food compared to processed fiber and ingredients that you're putting in your body. Like it still blows my mind that people are still okay with counting net carbs. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, for people when they do count net carbs, I feel like they're doing it to allow themselves those, um, dangerous gateway foods. Mm-hmm. And yep. I can understand doing it at first because I did it that way too. And I did you know, too. As you transition yeah. from a typical American diet, which is loaded with processed food, to eating cleaner, cleaner and healthier, it, it's kind of hard to to make that switch. You know, cold turkey. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely room for um, that transition. But I feel like once once you've made that switch and you're committed to keto, you know, it should also be about the quality of food that you're putting in your body. Yeah, I totally agree. I I always tell people if I could go back in time and tell myself in the beginning of my keto journey what I would do differently, it would be to count total carbs from the beginning because I feel like for many people, the the gateway foods, as you called them, as like the keto treats or all of the keto sweets and the breads and all the substitutes that you can make are binge triggers for people are still those foods that, you know, it may not be a real donut, it's a keto donut, and you can surely binge on those, you know, so like cutting out, using those things as a treat, and they have a time and a place to use them, but like, Someone who includes something like that every single day, I just feel like I can't, I don't feel like it is optimal for health when it comes to that. Yeah, and and you're still driving like that sweet taste desire and Mm -hmm. those triggers in your brain. And, um, you know, I, I feel like it is easier to maybe slide on keto if you're continuing to stoke that pleasure center in your brain. Yeah, I totally agree. And I know you mentioned earlier how you were a big sweet, like dessert eater. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we label ourselves as that because that's what we, we we're driven to when we like when we're eating a carb based diet and that's just like our, we naturally gravitate towards those sweeter foods because I mean, sugar is addicting. So do you feel like your sweet tooth has subsided or been blunted at all by doing keto and counting total carbs? It has. Um, It's still there, though. And that's Mm -hmm. something I've had ever since I was a child. Like when I was in junior high, I had a major candy addiction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so I really, truly have had a sugar addiction, like pretty much my whole life. and I was just fortunate enough, I, I, well, I don't know if you could say that. I just didn't show it on the scale for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that, you know, age and, and everything is catching up, it does show. And, you know, it has to be addressed. And I feel like to be the most successful at it, it it's a daily reminder of why am I choosing to eat and live a keto lifestyle It's not just about weight anymore. Sugar, you know, whether you gain on the scale the next day or not, it still has a very negative impact on your body. It's highly inflammatory. It's toxic to your body. And so Mm -hmm. the, the more we can do to remove ourselves from that temptation, the better off we are with our health. I totally agree. It's, you know, we, we always talk about it and I try, though my job is directed at helping people lose weight 
but it's also about getting healthy and getting getting people to where they care about what they're putting in their body, you know, like why understand like what it's doing to them and that keto for for me especially two and a half years in isn't for just weight loss anymore and neither for you I mean I think you're very passionate about making sure that people know that you know you're living this lifestyle for the health benefits as well yes absolutely um and that's that's becoming more of a primary focus for me now um, especially as I've gotten closer to my weight loss goal, I'm still choosing to maintain this lifestyle because I do truly believe it is healthier. And, you know, I'm getting to an age now where I have to think about that because, um, you know, those those uh, choices that we make in our teen years and in our 20s they start to show up when you're getting into your Mm -hmm. 40s. And um, especially given my family history of cardiovascular events, it's very important to me to do what I can to minimize that risk and be around for my kids and hopefully my grandkids and so on. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, health and longevity is definitely at the top of my list for my reason why I choose to continue the ketogenic lifestyle. Yeah, I love it. Um, that's that's essentially the that's the epitome of of why I do what I do and why I love sharing about keto and and, and trying to get people to understand that it's not just about losing weight. Um, and you know, if you if you come to keto because of the weight loss, more than likely, I feel like most people once they see the benefits, um, you know, of it, aside from that, they'll stay. And I know I was one of those people. So, um, well, it has been a pleasure speaking with you and I appreciate you taking the time to record. I did want to ask you one last question, just kind of some food for thought, uh, for, for people. And, um, it's a question I'm going to ask most of my guests, but do you feel like there's something that is missing in the keto space, like product wise or education wise or, or, you know, anything, do you feel that there is something that should be out there that is not out there currently? Well, I wouldn't say it's not out there, but you know, as we just touched on, um, I don't feel that it's given enough emphasis as far as the reasons for doing keto. I know everybody is all about losing weight and I get that obviously. Um, but I do feel like maybe if more people who have sway in the keto community would stress more if possible, or just talk more about the the health benefits of it, where it shouldn't be just about weight, but um, it should also be about our ultimate goal of health. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the I also feel like there should be more talk about the whole total carbon net carb thing, mm-hmm. um, because you know at first it didn't it didn't really occur to me, but when you really stop and think about it, you know, there's a reason why there's total carbohydrates listed on the nutrition label. And I really don't get where the whole net carb thing came from. Like (laughs) who decided that it doesn't count? Yeah. I'm assuming that was Mr. Adkins that came out with that philosophy. I'm not a hundred percent sure if, if he's the one who, uh, who created that, but yeah, it's like, what in in someone's brain made you think that you could subtract something that you're putting in your body that it's go that whole quest cookie is going in your body how do you think the fiber and the alcohols are just going to magically disappear from that <laughs> yeah i i don't i don't get that so um and i feel like if people focused more on counting total carbs ultimately it would help them make better decisions on what they put in their mouth and where they put those macros you know Mm -hmm. yeah Um, what they use them on yes exactly so and I'm not saying I'm perfect and will I indulge in treats yes but but it's an indulgence just like you said exactly it's it's it becomes less of an everyday occurrence and I think that's ultimately where people should move to so that they can focus on putting more quality food in the body 
Because mm-hmm. if you still are consuming those foods that are essentially crutches, you're not really yeah. making any progress. You're kind of still living the lifestyle you were living just with something that is a substitute for what it was. So, right. Yeah. Right. I totally and, agree. And I feel like the ultimate goal for people is to live without feeling that you're having to be on a crutch, you know, like Mm -hmm. you want to be free of those addictions or constant desires. So that way you can really focus on other, um, you know, more important things in your life and then other more important, healthier foods. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like food is the focus of absolutely everything we do. I don't know if you feel that way, but like, yeah, you know, family events, uh, holidays, like whatever. It's always about food. And I feel like, honestly, the more people who, you know, break the addiction to sugar and break the addiction to like, when, like, when is my next meal? What am I going to eat next? What can I indulge in next? Like if we could get out of that mindset and we could start focusing on the actual experience, like instead of making birthday parties about the birthday cake, like making it about the memories that are being made, like, yeah. you know, the, not, not just about the food that's there or, or what we're consuming it. I think that's, yeah. Oh, I could go on and on and on about that. And but. I challenge people. So because I was on DSK, there were times where I was getting together in social situations where I couldn't indulge in what everybody else was. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it would be you know, a, a negative experience, but instead I use it to focus on the positive. And that was, you know, the social inter- interaction with friends. And even though all I had was a drink, um, just, and I'm not talking alcoholic beverage. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that ain't allowed on BSK. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was able to focus on enjoying somebody's company, not, on what I was eating. And in a way that was kind of freeing to do. Mm -hmm. So I challenge people to do that every now and then. And because, you know, it helps reevaluate your relationship with food and social situations and that you don't have to feel pressured to give in or conform and you don't have to do any of it at all. Just, just show up and be there. Oh gosh, yeah. Like that's the one thing that kills me is, you know, if someone invites you out for lunch or for dinner and you've already eaten all your macros for the day, but you feel pressured to go out and eat or whatever, like who who's pressuring you? No one's pressuring you. You are your own individual person. You make your own choices. So like take that challenge yourself and and just enjoy the conversation and the experience of who you're with and, and your surroundings. Yes. Yeah, totally feel you. Well, I appreciate you once again taking the time for uh, this podcast. And I um, hopefully will help bring people to your page because I enjoy watching you um, post and you share recipes. And I feel like you're very positive. So um, where can people find you on social media? I'm, I'm pretty much just on Instagram, um, and my handle is Keto Girl Chris, which is K-R-Y-S, mm-hmm. all one word. Okay, cool. Well, um, thank you again, and I look forward thank to you, um, chatting with you again soon, okay? Yes, absolutely. Right. Bye. Bye. Woo!